Hey, all you Theosciples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. This is episode 81. The one where God be with you, mighty men of valor. The Theonauts Podcast. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hey, you Theonaut heads out there. I actually had a better Theo word. I was, what was it? I was going to say Theo Men of Valor, oh, but, but I kind of stole destroyed it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm David Gaddy. I'm a man of valor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we are the Theo Nods. I'm Jeremiah Ward, by the way. Hey, what's up? So, Dave. How's things going, man? Yeah. yeah. How, Made any resolutions, keeping them, breaking them? Breaking them all. Breaking them. I, You know, I didn't make any this year. Did you not? I resolved not to resolve. Yeah. Yeah. I am resolved. No, no. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I kind of do um, inadvertently. Like I don't ever really sit down and say, "Okay, this is what I'm resolving to do X, Y, and Z." Uh-huh. But I find myself still recharged and restarting things, and sure. just naturally. Well, for me, this year, this new year, like this new year, is. Uh, a total do-over from 2015. <laughs> 2015 was probably the worst year I've ever had in my entire life. So, 2016 That is, means God is working mightily in your life. That's right. 2016 is going to be epic. Yes. I have, I have every confidence 2016 is where it's at. Yes. <laughs> and and so, there, there might be some good out of this Gideon thing right. that, we, right. uh, that we see. It's going to be a good... Uh, <laughs> A good model for yeah. us. Speaking of uh, motivation, you should head over to Theonomous and put in a prayer request for the new year. Huh? Yes. Hey. Yeah. You got. <laughs> you need to resolve yourself to right. uh, to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> we see you over there, Michael Brendan. Or, <laughs> we see you. Hey, Brendan's been contributing. Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, and he's not anonymous about it. He's like, this is me, and this is my problem. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan, for being that way. Should we tell more the of viewers us what? That way? Should we tell the listeners what Brendan's problem is? Uh, no, I'll let them figure oh, it out. Okay, I'm, I'm joking, man. <laughs> go pray for Brendan. <laughs> yes, go pray for Brendan. That's great. Go no, pray for us all. Yeah, pray for all of us. That's and, right. And um, yeah, make use of that site. Uh, right. We're we're now uh, sending it out pretty regularly. Yeah. And we had we've actually had a couple of new. Prayer requests Ooh, this fresh past meat. week, awesome. so that's good. That's good. So we actually had something to put on the yeah. newsletter this week. Good. And uh, so yeah, get out there. It's um, prayer dot Right. That's the theonymous page where you can uh, you can confess your faults anonymously if you want. Yes. If if you just want prayers for whatever Anything. reason, for strength or for uh, for you know, some maybe you're going through some tough times or whatever. 
throw those up there too. I mean, yeah. we, we just want some content up there so that we can be actively praying for right. one another and loving. You got them. prayers. We want to pray. Yeah. So that's the thing. So. So. Uh, one Anyways. other thing to, to throw out there is we just got a new T-shirt available. Yes, we did. I'm super <laughs> excited about this T-shirt. It's a donkey T-shirt. Yes. It's a donkey. So if you go and listen to episode 70, mm-hmm. uh, you'll hear us talk about donkeys. Right. And how we need to be donkeys. Right. We were designed to be ambassadors for Christ. Amen. And uh, to be used uh, for Christ. Yeah. And to carry him yes. in, in, in to, out to the world, right? That's right. So... Um, this this shirt is a physical uh, representation of that. Right. Uh, it basically says, "I'm a donkey for Jesus." Amen to that. <laughs> so that's awesome. I, yeah, I love that concept. Um, you can get that at holycubed.com. Holy cubed. And uh, also, we need to put some more uh, shirt. We talked about what was some of the other shirt ideas we had from the show. Oh, putting me on the spot here. Let me see. Well, maybe um. I wrote a book would be yeah. I wrote a book would be, a good would be an one. awesome one. <laughs> Pope news, yes. Yeah, something about the oh, Pope. And, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't Let's know. throw that out there. Um, Michael and Brendan, y- y'all need to give us some uh, yeah. some ideas because we could do the same thing for some of your very memorable episodes with Finding Christ in Cinema. Right. Um, there's been a lot to, to talk about, and so maybe even some of those. Um, those blurbs that get thrown out every week. I've got one. What's that? Santa Claus punching, uh, uh, what's his name in the face? Uh, Arius. Arius, yeah. yeah. <laughs> punching Arius in the face. That'd be an awesome yeah, that's, t-shirt. that's pretty good. Heresy. <laughs> <laughs> so no heresy zone. No heresy zone, that's right. In every definition of the word. Yeah. Something about unity. We need to do one for unity. Yeah. Oh, so. we'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, so you want to dive on into the book of Judges again? Hey, man, bring it on. Yes, sir, Bob. The tomato. Yes. We're talking about Gideon. We're just moving through these judges. That's right. And, um, and we come up to Gideon, and... This one was a little surprising. Well, I mean, the story's not surprising. We know, we know the story. Um, but it, it was surprising for me the direction that we're going to end up going. Well, usually whenever we come to a Types and Shadows, which is what this is, right? We're, we're walking through Judges and we're looking Types and Shadows. Correct. Usually when we come up uh, with Types and Shadows, the Judges themselves are pictures of Christ. Christ, right? They're Christ, Christ types. Right. But... Gideon is a strange story. Gideon, by the way, is my favorite judge. Like, out of all of the stories, Gideon's my favorite story. And I guess it just reminds me of me, right? Yeah. And so... We can all relate if you really are honest with yourself. Exactly. And the more and more you look at it, the more you see the story of a Christian. His encounter with God and then the transforming power and what that does, right? Yes. And so that's that's actually, I think, the overall type and shadow of the story of right. Gideon. And that's why I say that it is a different direction uh, is because I really wanted to see where Jesus was in Gideon. Sure. And, in, and I'm sure you could do it um, because, well, yeah. because Gideon is the deliverer. Right, but the way it plays out 
it's almost like someone working through Gideon, right? Exactly. Which is more than now a model for Jesus working through us. Right. So uh, no, there won't be anything groundbreaking or new, I don't think, in, in what we look at. Um, We're just going to reiterate it. But I think, you know, what I think is so groundbreaking about that is how miraculous it is that God uses us. And really, Gideon Gideon's a Christ type in the fact that Christ is found inside of Gideon. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So, all right, so we'll get to it. Um, you want to start off by just telling the story? What do you want to do? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can We can do that. There's um, a lot of things to, to play in it. We're really looking at three chapters in the book of Judges. Yeah. Uh, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. Right. Um, most of what we know about Gideon... Uh, right off the top of the head is going to come out of chapter seven, right? But um, but he does some more things other than this uh, battle of the three hundred that we'll that we'll talk about. Um, so initially, um, l- setting the stage for, sure. for Gideon, we are now we've been delivered by Deborah. Remember, right? In the last time we did this, we talked about Deborah, and uh, so now it seems like every time this happens. By the way, Judges is this on again, off again. Right. You know, I think I used the term sinusoidal wave, and it kind of freaked you out. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, I an, I'm an engineer. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. right, nerd. But, uh, hey, go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, you've got this this thing at the uh, where there's peaks and valleys. Right. In, and it seems like there's this consistent move of 40 years of, of peace, 40 years. That seems to be the breaking point. Right. Before they just really screw up so much that God's like, all right, I've had it here and throws some distraction at them or some persecution at them. Right. And that's what happens here. They've had 40 years of goodness, of no oppression. Everything's good. Who needs God anyway now? Right. You know, that type of thing. And then these Midianites show up. Now, uh, the Midianites show up with the Amalekites, and they, they, they kind of partner up. But anyway, these Midianites have been, like, harassing Israel now for seven years. Yeah, well, they've been doing – they started out as small raid parties, right? So they go in and they'd raid your town and tear it up and yeah. steal your women and steal your food and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it escalated so much to the point where Israelites couldn't function anymore. Yeah. They were – they were being raided daily by the, the the Midianites, and there was nothing they could do about it. Uh, <laughs> they were just being, you know, tormented. It was like bad Bart riding into town every yeah. day, shooting off, doing his, a number six on them. Yeah, six guns and doing a number six on them. <laughs> That's a blazing saddles. Whatever. Reference. <laughs> so, Have you not seen blazing saddles? It's been so long since I've seen blazing saddles. Okay. Well, I just remember. Uh, uh, like, the disclaimer here: it's not the best. Christian movie. No, I'm sure that finding that oh that's a challenge right there. <laughs> finding Christ in cinema. Put this on the list. Blazing Saddles by Mel Brooks. I, I want that done. Any Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> Just do any no, of no, them. No, no, it has to be Blazing Saddles. Oh, come on. Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. Young Frankenstein. Oh, no, Blazing Saddles is so far above and beyond that. I mean it's like way, way out there. But anyway, yeah, the the, <sighs> the number six thing, it was like they were trying to figure out how to get all these people out of town. Right. And Slim Pickens is like, oh, oh, I know, I know. We'll do a number six on them. 
And, and Hetty is like, okay, what's the number six? He says, oh, that's where we go into town. Wailing in a whopping every single thing that moves. <laughs> yeah. And it gets a little more graphic after that. But Okay. <laughs> so anyway, the Midianites are pulling a number six. Over and over and over I get all the Israelites every day. It gets worse and worse and worse. Actually, uh, you find out a couple names of some Midianite leaders at the end. Um, and what I was reading before, I guess, is these guys had, quote-unquote, swift camels. So they were like the bl- bad barts yeah. of, uh, of the Midianites. Wailing in a lot. Every single person that moves. Right. <laughs> so they come in and they just raid. And so... It got to where it was so bad that the Israelites couldn't do anything out in public. Uh, well, actually, the story begins, and you find Gideon himself in a wine press threshing wheat. Yes. Which makes no sense. <laughs> because wine presses are for pressing grapes to Correct. make wine. Right. Why in the world is he threshing wheat? Why isn't he out you know, threshing wheat outdoors mm. where the chaff can come up and blow <laughs> So it's not very good for yeah. what he's doing. They're all hiding out. Yeah, basically he's hiding right yeah. in the in the wine press. He's afraid of the Gideon uh, Gideon. Wow, the Midianites coming in and raiding his wheat. Okay, yeah. so that's where the story begins. Yeah. Now it's also fair to, to mention that the reason why this judgment is upon them is because they've lost their minds. Yes. As far as their service to God, they they're. They're off the, the rails again. They've erected all these these idols and all this sort of thing. It talks about uh, one of the things that Gideon gets charged with is destroying the idols, which is really kind of cool when you think about it. Here they are being oppressed by this raiding force. And God's instruction, his initial instructions, were, it had nothing to do with fighting the enemy. Yeah. It had to do with cleaning house. Yeah. And so that was what he was doing is it tearing down the 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 uh idols right. that were that were erected. Um <laughs> no pun intended, because these are gonna be phallic type of things. That's that- very true. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Well that and seriously, they were. That's, that's right. That's that's the type of, of paganism we're talking about here exactly and uh is is it talks about him tying uh these things to a cart and to his ox and pulling them over like right so this is a a big deal yeah and yeah you bring up a point basically they'd have they had they had peace for 40 years they had no problems everything was hunky dory Mm -hmm. right and so they were almost like America today, right? Mm-hmm. You said that before the show, which is totally true. They're they're a lot like yeah, America. While we're talking about types and shadows, right? right. They, uh, you know, they they call themselves God's people, mm-hmm. but really they have no reason to pray to God yeah. because nothing's wrong. So they're just hanging out and they start partying with the rest of the yeah, uh, well, rest of the people. Might as well do you know when in Rome exactly. <laughs> and so it was a lot easier and a lot more fun to yeah. you know to to worship their gods because they they got a lot of fun out of it. So anyways, um, well, and it didn't upset their wives. That's right. They were marrying into these cultures and et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And it was a lot easier to keep peace in the home just to keep the idol there. Right. So. 
So, all right. So the angel of the Lord plays a huge part in this. Yeah. Right? In verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Oprah. <laughs> Didn't know you we were going to talk about her today, did you? No. Oprah, uh, the oak, which is an Oprah, uh, that belonged to Joash uh, and uh, the Ab- Abizarite. I didn't study him. Did you study anything about him? Did not. Oh, I wonder. Okay. His son. Well, there's another disclaimer. There is so much in this story. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there are types that we could really pull out in all these names. There's right. tons of names in this in this story. Yeah. So, so okay. His son, Gideon, mm-hmm. um, was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Okay. So we have this angel of the Lord. Now, whenever we read angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, um, I believe it's it's Christ. Could be a theophany. Okay, it's a yes. theophany. And uh, what that means is it's Christ appearing in the Old Testament right to mm-hmm. it, uh, to, to somebody. So um, he appears to Gideon. And Sometimes we just need to do an episode on theophanies. Yeah, that'd that be w- good. Because there's a lot of places in right. the Old Testament that could be attributed to christ prior to his actual sure human form sure okay so he finds gideon and why is gideon gideon inside this place because he's afraid of the midianites right he right. has fear all in him okay <laughs> and the very first thing that the lord he says addressed to him, as? <laughs> i just i love it because it's so funny and i think it's Part of me goes, all right, this is totally cocky. All right, so the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord be with you, mighty warrior, (laughs) mighty man of valor, right? And, okay, so why why in the world would he call Gideon, of all people, uh, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor? He's in the middle of of hiding. Right. Right? A man of valor (laughs) doesn't hide. (laughs) A, A warrior doesn't thresh his wheat in a wine press. And so, so you think he's being um, facetious? Facetious? I, I part or of you me, think there's something else going on there. Part of me does because I think God has a sense of humor, and I think that'd be really funny for Jesus to come up and go, "Hey, mighty man of valor," <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> right? But the other part of me says, you know what? There's something in here because the Lord is about to transform this man. What what God sees mm-hmm. in this person is different from what. He even sees Amen. in himself. Right. And it's different from what anybody else sees in him. God sees a warrior inside this coward. Yes. yes. Right? And that's how I, I, I think that Gideon takes it the way that you were first talking about it. Right. Because on the surface, it sounds facetious. It yeah, sounds it sarcastic. Right. Um, because, you know, like I'm reading the NET, and it uses the term... Uh, he, uh, he says, the Lord is with you, courageous warrior. <laughs> and uh, obviously this man's not a warrior. He doesn't right. see himself as a warrior. He's He doesn't want anything to do with war at this point. He's, like you said, he's hiding out. And But I think God sees something in him that he sees the potential of what Gideon can be through God. Yeah. So, or, so it's not... It's not that you're this great man, but you are if I'm with you. Yeah. So you you are every one of us is a courageous warrior if the, the if the king is inside of us, if if the the greatest warrior ever is inside of us, right? And um so look at uh Gideon's response yeah. 
to him. I, I love the way Gideon responds because this is the human thing. This right. is what we all do all the time. Sure. Uh, Gideon says to him, pardon me. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> but if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster overtaken us? Mm. Where are all his miraculous deeds of our ancestors told us about? They said, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Okay, so it's all God's fault. Yeah. That's, and, and this is the big question that we that gets asked all the time. Why would God allow this? Why would God allow that? Where was God in all this problems or whatever? Well, if we get the, the beauty of seeing the story of the book of Judges from a bird's eye view, We've seen the past 40 years. We saw what happened before, and we saw what happened before that 40 years, and we've seen the state that Israel is, has gotten themselves in. So every time someone gets themselves into a pickle, then all of a sudden it's, where is God? Right. So uh, it's so natural here that they've spent 40 years in peace, not concerning themselves too much about God at all. But yet now, when things get hard, now it becomes this question, let's blame God for this. Pardon me. <laughs> when he says the first words out of his mouth was, the Lord is with you, he says, well, pardon me, but where exactly? Because I don't see it. I'm not seeing the evidence of what you're saying. And um, so I think this is, is, is really a good model right. for us. Right. Gideon and the Israelites, that's a great model for how we are as humans, right. uh, God says, I see great things in you, and I am with you. And we turn around and say, where? I don't see you in me. I don't see you in this. I don't see, there's too much tragedy here. There's too much, how can you be in this? Hmm. And um, Right. <clears throat> so, okay, so his response brings the Lord's response, right? Yes, yes. And, and the Lord says to him, all right, this might that you have of yours, go in it, right? <laughs> and you're going to save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Okay? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so at this point, Gideon has no clue really who he's talking to. Right. Okay? He doesn't know that he's the, he's the angel of the Lord. Yes. We'll see that his doubts are all over the place. Right. Okay. And he's still, you know, confused about this whole situation. My my thinking is he probably thinks he's a prophet of some sort, mm-hmm. but he doesn't think that he's an angel of the Lord because this this prophet's giving him command. Uh, I'm I'm sending you out to fight Midian. Right. right? All right. So. Uh, well, hang on a second. First, I want to to notice one thing. That, okay. That in in this response to Gideon. <clears throat> his question was, "Where, what, where are you, God? I don't, I don't see you here. I don't see you with us." This is and good, his yeah. response was, "I am in you. Have, have I not sent you?" Right. So, in other words, don't be pointing the finger at me. You're my representative here. Yeah, you're the one. You're the one that makes a difference. That has that has allowed this situation to exist. Sure, not me. Right. And I think that is ultimately. When people start asking the question why, that is the answer. Well, why did you let it happen? Right. God has has given you charge of this. That's He's right. put this in your hands. What are you doing with it? Right. And then that brings Gideon's response again. 
<laughs> Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Take note of verse 15 here, because this is a, a great evidence of, of uh, the type and shadow that we're, we're pulling out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. He's the weakest in Manasseh and the least in his father's house. Gideon realizes who he is, mm-hmm. right? Yes. He, he realizes he's, he's a nothing, okay? Um and then the Lord says, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Okay? So uh, the Lord gives him gives him this pronunciation that he's going to be with him, and he's going to strike down the Midianites. Uh, Gideon goes, all right, hold on real quick. Uh, why don't I go? Please don't apart from here until I uh, present something set for you. So Gideon goes, and he gets some food and drink, right? Right. To set before this what he thinks is probably a prophet, okay? Mm-hmm. Because he wants to, you know, give him something for his his pronunciation, I believe. So, all right, so Gideon goes in the house, prepares unleavened bread and uh, and broth and, and, uh, and some uh, meat, right? And he brings it out and he sets it on a rock before the... <laughs> Before the the, uh, the, the angel of the, the angel of the Lord or the prophet as he thinks it is, right? And uh, man, where did I just lost it? But okay, um, he brought the food to him. That's right, under the oak tree and presented it to him. I know. I my verse uh, twenty. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> my browser just closed on me. Oh, so, okay, well, good. I, would, I can read it. Uh, God's messenger said to him, "Yeah, put the meat and unleavened bread on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did as instructed. The Lord's messenger touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff, and fire flared up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the Lord's messenger then disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Yeah. So God, God, what a weird this, response! Exactly, let me burn that and then exactly. disappear. So <laughs> this whole thing, where basically what God's doing is showing what? His power, it's right? Like Tim it's the like, Enchanter. <laughs> I've never thought of. <laughs> you know when he takes the staff, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just shooting it all. Okay, anyway, so Gideon, as soon as like, that happens, <laughs> right? I wonder if Gideon and his dad were like golf clap. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so funny now. <laughs> oh, mine's gone. Okay. Verse 22. Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Right? This yes. is where Gideon yes. realizes, oh, my gosh, I've been in the presence of of the Lord. Right? Yes. Alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face, which is the natural response for anybody who ever sees God face to face or the Lord face to face. First thing I think is, I'm going to die. Uh, right. Right? And uh, the Lord has said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear. You won't die. Hey, man, you're not going to die. Chill. Okay? So this is, for me, this is Gideon's conversion experience. Yes. Right? Yes. We can liken this to a Christian's conversion experience. Mm-hmm. God goes down. He finds the least of these, this man who is nothing, and he takes and he appears before him and says, I, in you, am going to do a miraculous work. Yes. Right? And our response is, oh, we've, we've seen you, right? And we're going to die. Mm-hmm. I repent. My sin is messed up. In fact, we see this in the Apostle Paul. 
Oh, yeah. Is 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 not basically the same exact thing that happened to oh, yeah. Saul of Tarsus when he was on the road to Damascus. That's good. When he actually saw Jesus and then even doubted, who are you? What are you doing here? And, he, and, and of course, whenever he says, why are you persecuting me and all this, it became clear who this guy was. And, of course, Paul falls on his face in right. repentance. That's right. And he says... Basically the same thing. I'm going to show you, he tells Ananias, I will show him what he will have to suffer for my sake. Yes. I'm going to show him what he's going to suffer for me. I'm going to make him my whipping boy pretty much. But that's so true. And all right, so Gideon, he has this experience where he's totally converted. The very first thing Gideon does is he worships God. Yes. Right? He builds an altar and he calls it uh, He calls it the Lord of Peace or... Um, um, Yahweh Shalom, okay, mm. the Lord of Peace. So, what does God do to us? He gives us. He takes away the fear, he takes away the anguish, he takes away the hurt, and he gives us peace. So, those questions that Gideon had, mm-hmm. right? God gives him peace. Yes, uh, in the midst no, of that. And notice what he says there. He says, um, "The Lord is on friendly terms with me." It's such a simple right. um, state, but to think about it, it whenever he was in a place mm. where he was questioning, is God really with me? And now he sees, wow, I'm friends with this guy. Right. We're, we're, we're buddies. Yeah. And, and of course, then he, he, he gives him this charge right. to go uh, destroy okay, now that a we're bunch buddies. of idols. Go take down your father's <clears throat> idols, right? Yeah. Cut down the Asherah pole, uh, pull down the altar of Baal, right? Yeah. Um, and so Gideon does yeah. this, but I think it's important to note he does it with 10 men in the middle of the night. Yes. Which which is a statement of his face still. Right. Gideon, I mean, just because he has this conversion experience, mm-hmm. he's still shaky the entire way through the book. Yes. Right? He's still... He still questions God. He still struggles yes. with this and, doubt. And that's one thing that we always have have got to deal with is that Christians aren't perfect people. Right. And they should, A, should not see themselves as such, and B, should not be looked upon as such. They're not this holier-than-thou thing is a bunch of bunk that in reality we're broken people yeah. that happen to know a doctor. And so th- this is is a perfect example of God says go, Jesus says follow me, and we try and figure out okay what's the path of least resistance to still be able <laughs> to follow him and still go, but but <laughs> I want to still save face a little bit because I'm I'm afraid to do this in the light of day. So I'm going to get a few trusted men. We're going to go out here. We're going to lasso this phallic pole, <laughs> pull it down. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so, so you see here that that he um, <laughs> then he hides. Right. He yes. hides from it. Like he's afraid the backlash that's going to happen. The townspeople come out and they're like, "Who's torn down our altars? Who's <laughs> who's destroyed this stuff?" And Joash, his father, has to come out and defend him. Yes. Right. And and I, I think this is part. Uh, cool the way his dad does defend him yeah um they said um 
Verse 31, or verse, verse 30. 30, they say, bring your son so we can execute him. Yeah. He pulled down the Baal altar and cut down the nearby Asherah pole. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Joash said to all those who confronted him, must you fight Baal's battles? Right. So in other words, this is a god, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this a god? That you're supposed to be worshiping, right? You've got to do all the fighting for him. He can't. Co- he can't go do that himself. If he's really a god, it says, "Let him fight his own battles." Right. So after all, it was his altar that was pulled down, and that very day, Gideon's father named him Jerubbaal. Yep. So this was Gideon's nickname. It became Jerubbaal, which means let Baal fight with him. For it is his altar that was pulled down. Yeah. Do we have anywhere else in Scripture where a Christian, after conversion, is given a new name? Hmm. Well, we did mention Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> right. <laughs> About Peter? Yeah, it's a common thing. Right. Yeah, Cephas. Cephas. And, um, oh, Cephas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems, like, it, it seems like this is a common thing. And even us. We, That's right. When we wear the name Christian, Christian, that is our new name. Our new name. We're wearing his name. Little Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this is, again, this is a, a shadow of, 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 uh, of a man who was fearful and uh, lost completely, mm-hmm. right? Getting, getting stronger and becoming, and this is the, you know, this is a lot of the turning point, right? He, he does what God calls him to do. Right. He does it in the middle of the night, but yes. he does it. Yes. And he's starting to, to work up this, this truth inside him that God actually is with him and he does have peace. Yeah. Right? Well, and also think about this in terms of uh, when you go out there and you do something, even if it's in the middle of the night for God, it's still brings attention to you negative attention to you and what was what was he trying to do by doing this at night he was trying to reduce the damage that's right he was trying to do damage Damage control control. Uh on what he was doing but did it work ultimately no no they still he was outed as a christian they knew the next day they figured it out it didn't take long to to figure out who did it right and so you know you can't hide this stuff what is it that Jesus says? Does a man light a candle and then put it under a bushel? <laughs> Little, that's good. It's <laughs> good foreshadowing. There. Yes. So, <laughs> but the Excellent. point. But the point there being: Do you do you hide your light, or mm-hmm. do you let it shine in that's the right. daylight? And so that's that's where he's getting to. Exactly. So Gideon gets a little, pretty bold here. Now at the during this point. The Midianites, the Amalekites, they cross the Jordan and they're camping in the Valley of Jezreel. So they're about to go up yeah. for battle. Okay, this is going to be funny a, how they always end up in this Jezreel Valley. Yeah, you ever think about that? The Battle of Ar- Armageddon. Yeah, that's that's the Armageddon Valley. Getting it on. That's the Valley of Armageddon, and there's all these battles that always seem to take. The last one we talked about, right, was in the Valley of Jezreel. The Valley of Jezreel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. So as soon as that happens, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, Mm -hmm. right? He sounded the trumpet and the Abizarites were called to follow him. He sent messengers throughout all Manasseh. They too were called to follow him. He sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, to Nephtali, and he went out to meet them. Then Gideon said to them, 
If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wood, <laughs> or a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. <laughs> if there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on the ground, I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Okay? So, again, we see mightiness in Gideon calling all these people to himself. Yes, yes. And then he reverts back again, and he goes, oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. All right, I need another sign here, God. And and, and think about this. This could be still a numbers thing in his mind, which is really going to be ironic. (laughs) Because I think what he's thinking is, we find out later, he's gathered about 30, over 30,000 people. Right. Now, that is a feat in and of itself. Sure. That he was able to get these people who were apostate, he was was able to gather 30,000 of them. Right. This dude was doing some, he was hitting the bushes. Yeah. Serious campaigning. But once he got this number of people, then he looked at their numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and it paled in comparison. Right. And so, and I think that that's where the doubt started sure. kicking in. Sure. And the it, rubber met the road. I think it's a natural thing for us to doubt, mm-hmm. even with the Spirit of God upon us. Yes. It's a natural thing for us to doubt because we still have that human nature. Upon Make sure us. you're with me. If I'm going to do this, yes, I need you. I can't do make this sure you're there. And, and and so let's test this. Just, I just I got to know. I, right. I got to know for sure. Right. <laughs> so the uh, he lays out the fleece, right? And God does what what he has to do. He makes the fleece wet and leaves the ground and leaves dry. the ground dry so much that he wrings out a whole bowl full of water from the fleece. Right. Yeah. So then Gideon's like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> So this time you that make was good. That yeah, was good. You make the ground wet and the fleece dry, and then I'll 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 know for sure, God, that it's you. Okay. Yeah. So he does it, and God is very gracious, and he does this. Um, I read a type and shadow thing that the yeah. That I, sounds thought, I thought this was really cool. Go ahead. Kind of interesting. Was... So uh, imagine okay. So, so type within a type. Type with yeah. Type within <laughs> a type. So water is often used as a a picture, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Correct. Okay. Um, and out of you, out of your belly will flow rivers of water. Right. Exactly. So we have this this picture of the Holy Spirit being water. Now imagine this. This is a a fleece of wool, a lamb's fleece. Mm-hmm. Okay. What other lamb do we know of in Scripture? <laughs> the main lamb. <laughs> Behold, is the Lamb of God. Right. That takes away the sins. Takes of the away world. the sins of the world. Okay. So the Holy Spirit, the first night, falls upon the Lamb. But the world is dry, mm-hmm. right? Which is dead. And when John baptized him, he saw descending upon him the Holy Spirit. Spirit as a dove. Right. So the next morning, he has the fleece that's full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, all of his works were done by the Holy Spirit's work, mm-hmm. right? So the next night, the the fleece is laid down, and it's bone dry, symbol for death. Mm. And though. Holy Spirit or the water falls upon the world. Yeah. It's a symbol wow. of Christ giving That's really cool. The Holy Spirit to the world. Mm. Which is really neat. You know, you never thought of that. You always wonder why in the world, Lord, did you do that? You make him do that. And, twice. and think about this. You've got water in the wool, right? What does Gideon do? By Gideon's hand, by the hand of a man, <laughs> right. that water was wrung out. Yeah. So, mm. so it's like the wow. the wool was made dry by the hands of man, man. Mm. and then it. But then it didn't stop there. No, it instead fell upon the world. 
Exactly. That's cool. So you, you have that whole story of the fleece in there, which to me is a type of child of the Holy Spirit falling upon the world. So here's Gideon with his 31,000 men. Is that right? 32. 32,000 men. All right, you tell this next part. Go ahead. All right. So, <laughs> I've been so talking too much. <laughs> and I don't have any water up here. <laughs> okay, so you got you got 32,000 people that have answered the call. Right. Okay, and uh, this is another thing that could be a type within a type, but we'll... We'll get to that. Right. So you got 32,000 people here, and God's like, mm, I don't like those odds. Gideon's <laughs> like, hey, I don't like them either. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you don't get it. I don't like, you got too many people. So here's the first culling. Here's what we're going to do. You ask anyone who is afraid for their life and doesn't really want to <laughs> be there just to go on home. <laughs> Dude, 22,000 of the 32,000 abandon him and leave okay so that leaves ten thousand uh god's still not happy with these odds uh and here's what i think that is really cool about this because we see this in our lives all the time is people can trust what they see people have faith in what they can see they they what they can handle what they tangible right what they can get their hands around and we've even got great stories in our own history of wars won by small armies against large armies but where does all the credit go to the leader of the army and to the the training of those soldiers or whatever the you still have this uh the the issue of who gets the credit and this is a big issue of, of, of dealing with pride, man, the pride of man. And uh, so what does, what does God want to do here? He mm. wants to make this, these odds so impossible right. that, um, that there's no way man could take any credit for it whatsoever. So um, what he does is he gives him one other test. He takes this uh, 10,000. And he says, make them go down and, and drink some of uh, drink out of, of the uh, the river there. And he said, the ones that lap from it uh, out of their hands, uh, they'll be the ones that you keep. The ones who kneel down and drink straight from it, they're the ones that you need to send home. So um, <laughs> this happens there in uh, verse 4 of Chapter seven, right? Um, verse it, six tells us. Is it verse six? Yeah. Yeah. Three hundred men lapped. The rest of the men kneeled to drink water, um, and the Lord said to Gideon, "With the three hundred men who lapped, I will deliver the whole army, and I will hand Midian over to you. The rest of the men should go home." Um, so it's. It, to me, it is real interesting that um, that he whittled this down to three hundred. Uh, we've got this this similar story in our own history: the Spartans of Thermopylae, oh, yeah, the, the Battle of Thermopylae, uh, which was made into this crazy movie, uh, which was kind of historically inaccurate. But <laughs> but but whatever. Uh, there were three hundred right. soldiers involved in that war. However. They weren't victorious. That's right. <laughs> they lost. They lost. Uh, but the what, what is that picture even, what is the film supposed to do? It's supposed to bring up, it's about honor and valor right. and dying for what you believe in. 
and all that that sort of thing. Um, imagine if they would were able to actually conquer the Persian army, not just the the battle, but the entire thing. army. Yeah, yeah, that they were to 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 take that. It would have been tremendous. Right. Well, that's exactly what happens here. Sure. Or what we're going to see, and God is foretelling this that with these three hundred people, I am going to work a miraculous victory that that you cannot take any credit for. Right. And the uh, the shadow, the type that that I pull from this, and this is okay. So disclaimer. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, this is 100% accurate or anything, but who does, I, I will say this, I believe this is a good type and shadow of, of the early Christians. Okay. Um, with a handful of Christians, God conquers the world with his message. Yes. As it says there, uh, they turn the world upside down. Yeah. And, uh, these weren't, you know, this wasn't a, a huge thing. And, 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 uh, and over and over in, in the new Testament, uh, we see God using the simple minded, the weak, the, the nothing, the smallest yes. to, to beat the biggest just to show. And we see this over and over in scripture too. David and Goliath is yeah. a big one, but over and over and over, God wants to show his power through the small ones. I also see this is a type of God taking away the chaff from the wheat. Okay. In that, I believe, I believe that those that claim Christ today are a lot more than those who really have Christ. Uh, right. And that's what I was meaning by this could be a type within the sure. a type is because there's constantly these uh, references through parables of the wheat and the tares is a good example. Right. Uh, the fish in the net that, you know, that they'll dwell together. And, it, you know, and uh, when you read those kingdom parables, which, by the way, those are in Matthew 13. If you, right. you want to study those, it's a great study. Notice that it, sa- it keeps saying things like the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that right. pulls in all these fish. It doesn't say the world is like a net. And I think most of the time we think in our minds that this net is full of worldly people and Christians. And he calls out all the worldly people. Right. That's not what it says. Right. It says the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the church is like this net right. that pulls in all these fish. However, on the final day, the the, the calling will will, will happen then. The, exactly. the, those ones that aren't true, that aren't good fish, are are tossed out. And it's not your job to do the calling, by the way. <laughs> yes, the fish aren't supposed to be kicking the other fish out of the <laughs> net. Right. Exactly. Let God do the do, do the, the calling. That's and right. it's the same way with the wheat and the tares. There's even the question. Uh, the workers say, "Oh, should we go out? Uh, should we should we go out and 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 cut out all them tears?" Uh, no, no. <laughs> because you're gonna do the damage. damage. You're gonna right. be, you're gonna be messing things up if you try to do this. This yeah. is this is the harvester's That's job. That's God's work, right? And but man, boy, we do want to do our own culling, don't we? Right. I mean, we <laughs> and this isn't again. This isn't Gideon <laughs> weeding out these people. This is God weeding them out. Right. Right. And, and and he didn't do it based on uh how good they were like on, on amongst themselves right. like like look at what he he used he used a simple water drinking how you drink how do you drink your water right um and 
Notice that it's not based on instruction. It's not like Gideon said, okay, I want you guys to lap the water from your hand. Right. He didn't say that. <laughs> right. He just carefully observed to see which ones did. did this. So it was God's ability to choose the ones that, right. that he knew he could use. Right. The ones that were probably not the most valiant. They probably weren't the strongest they probably weren't the most equipped soldiers of the bunch either. Right. They were probably... they probably know, the worst equipped. Yeah. Just like Gideon himself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you look at that. All right, so moving along. Okay, so he he didn't... He didn't I, I love the way verse 9 is worded. Okay. Uh, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up and attack the camp, for I am handing it over to you. <laughs> yep. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> You just knocked me down to 300 people, and your plan is... Go get them. Go get them. <laughs> Go get them, buddy. Go get them, They're all yours. <laughs> he That's says, great. but if you are afraid to attack, <laughs> go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and listen to what they're saying. Now, this is really cool to me because we can look at this a couple of different ways. Um, when we started this little journey... Gideon was full of doubt, so much so that he kept demanding signs from God. We don't really get that right here. We, we, Gideon has been loyal to do what God is telling him to do at this point. He's, he's whittled his army down. He's down to 300 people. He's been very observant to what God has, has told him to do. Right. And it's almost like, bef- it's like God knew their hearts before they even knew it themselves. Sure. Because he was like, okay, look, I need you to go down and attack these people but I know that you're struggling. I know it. And so here's what I'm going to do. I am going to equip you for the service that I'm calling you for. Right. Now, this is very similar to how God uses us today. We have a task set before us. Go get them, tiger. But at the same time, we feel inadequate. Sure. We have these these self-doubts. We have doubt in God. All, all this stuff inside of us. But he's saying, look, I'm there and I'm about to equip you for whatever the task is at hand. Right. And so that's exactly what he does. He gives them the opportunity to go and spy into the camp right. and listen to what these people are saying. And what do they hear? They hear <laughs> about a dream yeah. that one of the soldiers is having about a piece of bread rolling down the hill and knocking down the camp. And... Um, in their discussion about what this dream is supposed to mean, one of them actually names Gideon. Yeah. Well, I think that could be that little Gideon guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, and they're in the enemy camp listening to this, right? Mm-hmm. They're right. hearing this yeah. from about Gideon. I mean, if that doesn't strengthen you, nothing will. So Gideon, you know, and it's just like God to continue strengthening the people for the task at hand. Yes. And that's exactly what he did here. So... Gideon gets his gumption up and sets this plan in motion. And I have one more real interesting type, I think, or a shadow, a picture here. Um, he divided up the three, verse, six, verse 16. He divided up the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into their hands, all of them in empty jars with torches inside the jars. Now, this is the hiding your 
candle in our bushes, right? <laughs> and he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then blow the trumpets also on every side and all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. They blew the trumpets, smashed the jars that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars and in their left hand and the torches in their right hands and the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood up in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. The army fled as far as Beth Shittah towards Zerah, Zerera, sorry, and as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabith. And the men of Israel who were camped out from Naphtali and from Asher and all Manasseh, they pursued after Midian. So what happens here? They surround the camp. Mass confusion. Mass confusion. But what does Gideon arm his people with? Two things. Mm-hmm. A trumpet and a candle. Right? <laughs> a trumpet and a light. From a bunch of guys who are very apt at uh, licking from their hands. Exactly. Yeah. Okay? So what can we get here as a symbol? I think Christians are armed with two things. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we go out proclaiming Christ with our trumpet. Mm-hmm. And we shine the light in the darkness, right? And God exactly. God does the rest. God does the work exactly. And and so first off, ask yourself a question: What good did this do when they broke those jars <laughs> and they blew the trumpets and they shouted? What exactly did that do? A lot of people think, oh, well, it confused the camp. No, God okay, confused the camp. These are trained warriors. <laughs> yeah, that's right prepared to take a nation right i don't think a few candles are going to spook them right but notice what it says that 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 um that happens um let's see where was the verse i was looking at um when the 300 men blew their trumpets this is verse 22 the lord caused the midianites to attack one another with their swords Right. Okay. Now, I don't care how confusing it is to look up in the middle of a dead sleep. You're not going to stab your buddy next to you. Right. And you say, did you see those candles on the ridge? (laughs) And then stab your friend. This is God at work. Um, The point being that the 300, this was about their faith. It wasn't necessarily about what they were doing that made the difference. God wanted to see them go into it with faith knowing that God would do the work. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And then of course they w- were able to um to pursue them and it looks like some of these other people that had called and had gone away maybe uh the the ones who were camped in uh, Naphtali and Asher and Manasseh right. they all answered the call at that point. Right. And they began to to uh make this pursuit. Um so uh, anyway, the part of of the victory really comes in uh, verse, look, I guess it's twenty two to twenty five, where um, 
where they were chasing down the commanders. Right. Uh, Oreb and Zeb. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to f- find some symbology in their um, in in their names, um, but. I don't know. I couldn't find any symbolic reference there that that they mean what crow or raven, raven and wolf and wolf. There's not um, a lot of symbol, uh, some symbolic, symbolic uh, symbolism there. Yeah. But I mean, you can you can look and see. Uh, you know, God uses men like Gideon to out the wolves that 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 hurt the church, which is great, right, right? right? But other than that, I, and the ravens do come in and carry the seed away exactly so you know these are crushed by him servants of the wicked right and so there's they're both wicked yeah uh, symbols yeah in chapter eight there's this huge saga at the end where gideon now and incensed with the lord basically chases them down yes doesn't quit the people of ephraim go what in the world have you done to us you know you you fought Gideonites, are you crazy? They're going to come and destroy us. Right. And Gideon, or the Midianites, they're going to come and destroy And Gideon's like, uh, I did this because this is what we're supposed to do because the Lord has given them our hands. Yeah. So he's incensed. He, he does this. He finally chases them all down. He kills them. But what I love is the end, uh, verse 22, whenever it's all said and done, they come to Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also. You have saved us from the hand of Midian, right? Yeah. So they so come after the fact, everybody's cool. That's right. But but you know what I think is also interesting is getting up right before that part. Uh, you've got this whole thing happening with um, with he defeats Oreb and Zeb at uh, the rock and yeah. the wine press. They're both killed, and uh, he takes their heads. As symbols, basically, right, and and continues the pursuit. Now he's still got his three hundred <laughs> people, and they're pursuing others. And here's what's interesting: is everyone wants credit. That's kind of what's going on at this point going forward. Everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You didn't let us know. We could have mm. gotten involved. We could have had a hand in this. We could have been part of your army." And uh, so it's like, what happens today? Right. It's like everybody wants a piece of the credit. And that's exactly what God was trying to stop from happening. So it's 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 affirmation after the fact to Gideon that this is why we only have 300 people. Right. Um, also, um, oh, which also can go into, um, I, I, I don't know what to think necessarily. I've never been a member of what I would consider a uh, megachurch. Yeah, but I kind of get the idea that this these concepts can come into play a little bit. That you can be more effective on a smaller and more uh, intimate basis, right? Than having this large crowd. And um, so I love to hear it when these mega churches do like uh, life groups and where they actually do life together in small groups. Because that seems to be where uh, there's a lot of effectiveness. But notice that in this pursuit, they were chasing down a couple of, um, of standouts, insurgents that were left. Um, and they stopped at a place called Sukkoth and asked the people there if they would lend a hand in apprehending 
these guys. Right. And their response is, you've already got the heads of Oreb and Zeb, so what do you? <laughs> we're not going to mess with you. Right. You know? And um, Gideon's like, oh, I'll come back and lash you with some thorns for that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then they move on to this other town, Peniel, and same thing. They get the same type of thing. They get no assistance. Instead, they get uh, chided. And I think this this could also be somewhat of a type of what it's like to pursue righteousness, right. to pursue these things. And you're constantly in persecution. Like even when, you, when people can see the good that is being done, there's still this level sure. of persecution coming from people that are supposed to be allies, people that are supposed to be your friends and neighbors and countrymen and all this sort of thing. So there is a persecution that can happen from within. Right. A unwillingness to support the work. Um, you can't let that get you down. And I, I know that in in the time of judges, we're dealing with retribution real time. Okay, so there are some things that happen here. They do catch these guys, and on the way back, <laughs> Gideon makes good on his promise. Right. He st- stops by at Succoth, and he grabs the elders there and, and wears them out and uh, kills them and does the same thing at uh, Peniel. And, right. But, you know, once again, they, we were under an old covenant at this point. Uh, this is the type of thing that is, is going to happen ultimately in the end. Right. Uh, <laughs> we, as, as Gideons, don't need to be um, executing those that persecute us. But, but that will come to uh, those that do get in the way of the Lord's work, that are oppressing those that are, are uh, working for, for God. Right. Um, there in the end of it, um, oh, yeah. as you were talking about. That- he refuses the kingship, basically, and he says, yes. the Lord will be your God, yes. which is awesome. He you know, he does that. But then there's this whole thing with the ephod. Right. You ever studied that? Yeah. What, explain that to me. I'm okay. interested. So, <laughs> and, and I, I, I chalk this up to Gideon's na- naivete. Yeah. Okay, so Gideon, what is the first thing Gideon did whenever he realized that the messenger was from God. He he set up an altar. Right. It's the first thing he, mm-hmm. he wanted to worship. He wanted to praise. He wanted to say, this is my friend, and I am, uh, I got to do something about it. Right. Now, this is a natural thing. We have Peter doing the same thing at the Mount of Transfiguration. Hey, you know what we need? We need some some tabernacles here. Right. And, and we'll set one up for you, and one up for Moses, and one up for Elijah. And, and so... This is a natural thing. Right. Okay, so what does he do? He says, here's what I want to do. Yeah. He's like, you guys have taken a lot of spoil, and a lot of that is include gold. Just give me the earrings. Just give me the gold earrings you got. We're going to melt it down. Right. We're going to do something for God. Okay? We're going to pay it back. We're going to do something. And so what does he do? He builds this thing. God never asks him to, God doesn't ask him to. This is coming from him. Right. He, but he, he, has a, he has good intentions. And the, the idea was, I am going to build this thing and that it is going to be uh, a remembrance of what God has done. Um, however, people are people. And these are people who had been conditioned to worshiping idols. Right. 
And so this ephod became uh, a problem. He, uh, he put it in his hometown of Ophrah, and um, all the Israelites, it says, all the Israelites prostituted went themselves. Went a I love the I love the, <laughs> the King James there because it says they went a horn. Does it really say that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they went a horn again. <laughs> with it's it. like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll do that. So the poles are back. Yep. Um, so the Israelites prostituted themselves to it by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Mm-hmm. So... In hindsight, probably wasn't the best thing to do because it caused problems. Right. It caused people to once again fall back into the place where they're worshiping them in idols. Whether they were considered, whether it was considered a false god, probably not. But they were probably raising up Gideon and his. Well, and yeah, and here's the thing. Okay, so who wears the ephod? That's actually declared by God. The priest. The high priest, right. right? And so the people were supposed to go and infer from the high priest right. on what to do. And now all of a sudden there's this Gideon character, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he has his own ephod. Right. So it kind of puts him in a position. Right, where people are coming in and they're, you know, worshiping Gideon right, right. instead of, you see. And so. Uh, you know, I don't think Gideon necessarily meant it like that at no, all. I don't think so at all. I he th- meant it to to worship I God. I think he with. was trying to honor God. Right. And people are people. Right. And they did not. People want to lift up good Christians. Right. Yeah, it's don't a natural they? thing. I mean, I say good Christians, and it becomes a thorn don't in their wrong. flesh. There's no such the thing as a good Christian. They're all bad. They want to lift <laughs> up people. Right. That that shine well. That's right. For God, and because. That's human nature. We lift these people up and we we put them up on a shelf, and and then they we think they can do no wrong, and it in in a way becomes somewhat of an idol idol worship. And we got to stop doing that. Sure, but it's human nature. That's what meant, that's what people of God have always done. Right. They have always fallen into this trap. Right. And so that's what happens here. Gideon's trying to do something good for God. Um, and it, it backfires on him. They end up uh, lifting him up more than than God. Right. And this also uh, apparently uh, ten years. And well, I don't know. It's further than that because uh, they have forty years of peace again. Right. <laughs> Before they got to deal with it again. But it looks like about the time Gideon dies, uh, they return to Baal worship. Yep. So uh, things go awry. Again, uh, again, it's the uh, same, same over story, different and over day. And, over. and yep. uh, but, th- but the cool thing is that that God took a man who was inept, inadequate, and ill prepared, and empowered him, prepared him, strengthened him, and equipped him right to serve. Yeah, and allow him to be a vessel for God's mighty hand. And, wow. and that's what we are called to be. That's right. And so he has, we have the ability to, 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 to allow God to work through us in the same manner. And that's why we say, you know, this Gideon is a type and shadow of Christ, Christ working in a flawed man to bring about his kingdom, which is we are types and shadows of Christ. Right. Right? Yep. God working in flawed us to bring about his kingdom. 
which yeah. is so cool. Yeah, so. If we can just keep from lifting each other up and uh, putting each other on a pedestal. Right. <laughs> and ended up in that same trap. That's again. the problem. So, All right. Whew. And now the news. All right. Well, uh, recently on social media, uh, people have been posting about Richard Dawkins again. I don't know if you know about Richard, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins. Are you kidding me? I've read Richard Dawkins' <laughs> book. What do you think? The guy is insane. He is crazy. He well, he's he's mad. The God delusion. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Have you read the God delusion? Well, God's an angry person. Yes, God. If if, if the God of God the Bible is, is real, he's evil, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which it, this is really interesting, though. Uh, in a comment he made, I need to stamp that book. By the way, yeah, you know that stamp that you sent me through social, social media. Yeah, it's it says heretical. Heretical garbage, garbage for uh, research purposes only. Right. <laughs> I've got a lot of books I need to stamp for that. That's but, great. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so back in 2010, Richard Dawkins made a statement uh, that he thinks Christianity might be the best defense against jihad. With all kinds of debate wow. about racial Islam, is, uh, Islam swirlingly lately, especially among pro, uh, presidential candidates, and even last night's State of the Union address, or the other night, uh, Dawkins' words have experienced uh, a resurgence on Facebook and Twitter. So there's, I mean, people have been quoting him, and this is a... Uh, this is his quote. He says, There's n- there are no Christians, as far as I know, blowing up buildings. I am not aware of any Christian suicide bombers. I am not aware of any major Christian denomination that believes the penalty for apostasy is death. Well, I am aware of some. Um, <laughs> sorry. He said, you got to take what you can get. Yeah. He said, I have mixed feelings about the decline of Christianity insofar as Christianity might be a bulwark against something worse. Which is pretty prophetic, a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So, the man wow. who's totally an atheist uh, thinks yeah, that, that's an understatement. Yeah, the man who's an angry atheist, <laughs> hardcore against Christianity, says something nice about Christianity for a yeah. change. But anyways, have, have you ever seen the documentary Ex- Expelled with I have. Ben Stein? Yeah. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> Anyway, it's got an interview that he does with right. Richard Dawkins, in it. and Richard Dawkins didn't know that Ben Stein was doing a pro-Christian wow. documentary. Right. He thought it was going to promote his views. Yeah. And so, man, he got blindsided in that... Wow. <laughs> he got blindsided big time, and it is so condemning of Richard's <laughs> views yeah. on things. It's well, like, I mean, and he is the heralded atheist like oh yeah he's the number one he's pe- the go-to guy he's the go-to guy and so yeah it's it's uh but it's interesting that he says that about christianity versus muslim what do you think about that you think christianity is the bulwark against mm. <laughs> well i don't think christianity uh by its nature will overtake i think christ himself yes of may, course he will will you know, can win that battle but i sure. think christianity is not intended to uh, to win the world right. over those type of things, I, believe, um, I agree. I with think you. that that Christianity it flourishes best best when it is suffering. Sure. So, you know, in the Muslim convert or die, the Christian says, "I'll you know I'll stand here and try to convert you until you kill me." Right. Right. <laughs> which is which is um, y- you know even you know atheists and evolutionists. One of the arguments that even falls into their that they don't even really think about is altruism is the very 
is at the very heart of Christianity, right? right? Um, however, altruism is totally against uh, the the uh, was it natural selection, right? Natural selection and and altruism do not go together. They it can't can, fit. It, it can't fit together. So right. because the survival of the fittest, that's what natural that's right. selection is, and so it's a dog eat dog world, right? And if, if true Christians will roll over, you know, before they'll, sure. before they'll, um, you know, blow the other side up. That's right. You know, or whatever. That's the truth. All right. Uh, next in the news, producer says the Silver Chair will launch a brand new Narnia franchise. Woo! Yeah. Are you excited about that? I am. The Chronicles of Narnia is about to be rebooted. Mm-hmm. Six years after the conclusion of the Big Stream trilogy, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, a movie version of C.S. Lewis's classic fantasy series is back in the works. Yay. And though technically The Silver Chair will be a sequel, it will also essentially be a reboot from the franchise. Collider spoke with uh, producer uh, Mark Gordon, who explained it's all going to be a brand new franchise. All original, all original characters, different directors, an entirely new team that um, that this is coming from. If you're familiar with the original novels, the strategy makes sense. Plot of Silver Chair takes place 50 years after the first three books. Correct. Doesn't feature any of the... Pevency. Uh, uh, Pevency. Uh, Sorry, kids. Yeah. Thank you. No release date has been announced yet, but Gordon indicated it will probably be sooner rather than later. We're hoping to be able to make the movie very shortly. We're very excited about it. Eustace is going to be a different character, so it's mm. not going to be the same guy. Aslan's voice is going to be a different voice. Not going to be Liam Neeson. Not going to be Liam Neeson. So we have... He was a good fit for that. He really was. I really liked his his yeah. voice for that. Uh, so it's going to be somebody brand new, somebody totally mm. different. I'd love to see if they get uh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> now listen, kids. <laughs> I'm Aslan the Lion. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Reagan, you ought not do that. I'll roar. I just roared being a man. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be completely a, di- a different tone, a different everything. But if you know if you know anything about the Chronicles, you know that, yeah, these books, Silver Chair, um, only a horse, horse and his boy actually has the Pevensies in it at all, and they're grown-ups, and it's a cameo for about two minutes. Right. They're not even really... No. Um, they're not featured in it or anything right. at all. They're not even named by... I don't think... But they, there are, they are in it. And then the Magician's Nephew, which has... They're not in it either. Totally different characters <clears throat> from any of the other stuff except for Aslan. Yeah. The Last Battle, they're in it, but it's only a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be a totally different reboot. I'm really yeah, they pretty much it. completed the Pevensey Children's yep. story arc. Which, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a fan of the movies. I think they did I am good. too. I, I, did, I liked them all. Yeah. Um, it, Dawn Treader is, is my favorite book oh, so of, the, of the whole series. Me too. And uh, so, well, it, it's hard to beat The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's just that is so... I don't know. It's so Eustace's story of the Don Treader and the Dragon yes, is yes. the best writing in the entire yeah, series. I, I, I really, really enjoy uh, Don Treader, and I thought they did a fair job bringing it to the screen. It got a little too Pirates of the Caribbean at the end, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
Yeah. But I, I understand why we right. live in a society that needs sure. a bunch of tentacles flying across the screen before we're happy. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's the truth. But whatever. It but it was but it was done fair enough. I I thought they did a really good job with Eustace and the Dragon and and that sort of stuff. Right. The whole scene where he's like clawing off his scales. <sighs> I, it's my favorite. It's like a rep, good representation. Great conversion story. Yeah. It's beautiful. So he's totally different after that. It's neat. Okay. Um, this uh, comes from Kenya from Christianity Today. It's it's just depressing every time I read the headline. But Kenya puts rules to rein in prosperity preachers. Uh, they started rules and then they put them on pause. I guess there's been an outbreak of a lot of uh, miracle faking uh, preachers. Quote, unquote. Okay. Um, all right. So this is the headline. It says, one of Africa's strongest attempts yet to prevent problematic behavior among its mushrooming churches has hit the brakes. In 2014, Kenya's attorney general banned new churches among a miracle faking spree. Uh, Get to Maguai uh, began 2016 by proposing a lengthy list of new reporting requirements, including a minimum theological education for pastors, annual church membership requirements, requiring churches to be part of an umbrella organization. He hoped to implement them by the end of January. But backlash from Kenyan evangelicals, Catholics, and Muslims has been so severe the past president, um, Yuru K, uh, whatever, sent the 2015 Religious Society rules back to the drawing board. Any new regulations must be subjected to further vig- vigorous public consultations. So basically... The reason they put these guidelines in place is because people have been faking stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's been this. Okay. So uh, the name it, claim it preachers in the prosperity gospel movement has gone to Kenya and totally just rip people off. Um, it says, uh, the state, if the state must control the faith, uh, then said, President Kenya directed uh, it must con- uh, conduct extensive consultations with religious leaders and the faithful to agree on the rules. Better still, the whole question of regulating religion should be thrown out because it's unconstitutional. However, uh, it said by trafficking in fake miracles and through sermons that promise prosperity for members, these dodgy church leaders have amassed a huge following and exploited their flock ruthlessly for their own material gain. Mm. So bad. I mean, it's just... It's like of all the people in the world to take advantage of. Yeah, third world A bunch of third world (laughs) people that don't have anything anyway. But who in the world would be more slated for their, you know, for their hogwash than these people? Well, that's true, too. Man, you're telling me that if I join your church that God will give me money to feed my kids? Mm. All right, where do I sign? Oh, you want me to give you a penny so that I can get back $100 later on in right, life. Right. Okay, I'll give you my penny. Oh, now it's five pennies? Now it's ten pennies? Now now I have to give you my monthly allowance? What's going on here, right? But yeah. And they're totally ripped off, and it's in the name of the prosperity gospel. Oh, nothing incenses me more than that dadgum hogwash of, of a corruptive viewpoint Ugh. yeah disgusting so anyways pray for kenya pray for uh pray for people who are uh, under that oppression that masquerades as christ and it's really satan Ugh. 
Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox now. Okay, uh, 2016 World Watch List has come out with the uh, top 50 countries where Christians face the most severe persecution for their faith now. Can you guess which number one? Still? Number one. Uh, still. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've gone over this we before. We did this before. It was in the end of 2014, probably, was when we did it. Mm, trying to remember. Was it, it was, Saudi Arabia? No. The, although that's close. Saudi Arabia is number 14. Okay. Number one with a bullet, North Korea. North Korea. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. It's number one. Number two is Iraq. Number three. I'll get you Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Ronry. <laughs> I'm so Ronry. Okay, anyways. Uh, we're not even going to mention that. All right. Um, Air. Air Tenria? I've never even heard of that country. It's number three. Afghanistan is number four. Syria is number five. Pakistan, number six. Somalia, seven. The Sudan, number eight. Iran is number nine. And Libya is number ten. Wow. How many of that top ten are Muslim countries? Almost all of them. Yeah. Except for North Korea. North Korea. They just, hey, we just don't like it. <laughs> we hate anybody that's not our <laughs> Our sainted Matt Damon, Kim Jong Un, Matt Damon. <laughs> now I want to go watch that again, but I won't. No, you I don't. won't. <laughs> don't don't tip me. All right, and in this day in church history, <laughs> load up the TARDIS with your companion. <laughs> You know, he always got pretty girls as companions. He did. It's interesting. Well, not always. There was Mickey. Those, there was he was a guy. oh the black guy. Yeah, and then there was. Uh, but he was like there for like what two episodes? And pretty and, much? and uh, um, the pond, a guy, whatever. His, I can't remember his name. <laughs> it's been it's been a few seasons. <laughs> okay, on this date in. Church history, fasting, and repentance for Salem witch trials. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. Uh, January 15th, uh, 1697, Salem and Ma- the Massachusetts Bay Colony proclaimed a day of fasting and repentance before God uh, for the tragic error and folly of the Salem witch trials. Among the reasons I'm for the day... I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. <laughs> I'm dressed like one. Why they dress me this way? <laughs> he turned me into a newt. I got better. <laughs> All right, the day of fasting given the, uh, the the resolutions were so all God's people may offer up a fervent supplication unto him that all iniquity may be put away, which has stirred God's holy jealousy against this land, and he would show us what we know not and help us wherein we have done amiss to do so no more. Yeah, wow. well, maybe, and I'm pretty much God's response is like, maybe don't burn people. That, that might yeah, be that, good. That might be a good idea. <laughs> Perhaps uh, don't accuse people of witchcraft when they don't do anything. When they wrong. weigh the same as a duck. Exactly. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Build a bridge out of her. <laughs> what else floats in water? Small rocks. Roll her into the pond. <laughs> so good. <laughs> we did do the wart and the hat. <laughs> but she's a witch. She's a witch. Okay, so is that all the news? Yeah, that's it, man. 
We could just sit here and quote that for hours on end, you know? <laughs> I don't have any cards. Oh, you need some? Yeah. Here you go. Now, if I recall, didn't you pass me? Maybe. I don't know. Because I was on letters, numbers, and sequences yeah. and answered the questions foolishly both times. And um, Did I get letters, numbers, and sequences? And you were on names. I, did you get both? I think you got both of them. Yeah, so I'm on New Testament now. All right. Cool. All right. So I'm still on LNS. Okay, here we go. You'll get this one. Yeah, what does sure. Hebrews 11 remind us that Enoch did not see? Oh, wait. No, sorry. That's New Testament. Let's change that. <laughs> Reverse. Um, recite the second commandment. <laughs> you don't memorize those. Recite. You pretty much live on your uh, own law, don't you? <laughs> so you don't know you don't know them commandments now, do you, David? <laughs> You shall have no other God before me. That's it. Yeah! Is that, is that it? That's not it. It's not it. <laughs> Don't oh. make any graven image. Oh, um, I knew it was similar. Yeah. To, I mean, the first four deal right. with... Yeah. Deal with God. The first one is you shall have no other God before me. That's right. The second the one is second don't one make is... graven image. <sighs> You I know, had a guy ask me one time what uh, little Israelite girls played with. And I was like, I don't know. Dolls? Wouldn't that be a graven image? <laughs> <laughs> I've dealt with some crazy people in my past. Okay, so you are on New Testament, right? Uh, Yes. Okay. To whom was Jesus speaking the earliest time he is recorded as saying, Mine hour is not yet come. Any ideal? Ideal? You got any ideals about that one? My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. The earliest time that he said it. I don't know. Um, you want to? You want a, a clue? Yeah. John two. Gee, thanks. <laughs> John two. John two. John two. John two. John two. Was he talking to, he wasn't talking to, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Don't want to guess? No, I can't. I just... Who was it? Mary. His I was mother. going to say Mary. My Yes, uh, it's the daggum wedding. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm, I had something totally different in my head for some reason. The death. Yes. My hour's not yet come. He's talking about his ministry. Right. Oh, man. Very good. Yeah. I okay, I'm still on letters, numbers, and sequences. This and is, I'm still on New Testament. killing me. Okay, here we go. I'm listening. I hope this is making our listeners feel really smart. <laughs> Either that or making us look stupid as all get... Okay. <laughs> Spell Cephas, I'm just the name idiot. of the disciple. Spell Cephas. Spell Cephas. Spell Cephas. 
How is that a letter number in sequence, by the way? There's letters. There. I guess letters. But whatever. Okay, now I'm going to act like this is really easy, but you know, as many as I've missed lately. <laughs> C, E, P, H, A, S. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh, wait. I get to yes! I'm joking. That's good. That's good. I get to move on. All right, all right. Uh, let's see here. Okay, you're on New Testament still. I am. Oh, okay. Here we go. Who fell asleep during Paul's preaching? <gasps> I don't remember his name. Fell to his death out of a window, but I was story. later revived. I'll give you some music to to think to. Are you pulling up a blue letter Bible on your computer right now? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Google, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I don't, I don't know who that. Um, oh, that sleepy head. Yeah, I forget his name. There's no way I'm gonna get the uh, Euclidus. You, you, hey, that's close enough. You, Eutychus. Eutychus. It's kind of like Eustace, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, pulled, so we we each moved up one. I pulled up something that might help you memorize the. Uh, the, the Ten uh, Commandments. Ten Commandments. <laughs> you ever heard this? No. <laughs> this is the Ten Commandments, so hold on. I gotta find it. It sounds like uh, the Bar D Ranch or something. <laughs> Stat was running. Oh. It's so that. My dad taught me how to memorize the Ten Commandments off of that song right there, yeah. Uh, Anyways, I just had to throw that in there for you. And I learned, I'm my own grandpa. (laughs) You ever heard that song? Yeah, something like that. That's great. (sighs) All right, well, let's get out of here. Let's kill this one. All right, the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission we Network. Are. Yes, right. we are mm-hmm. using new media uh-huh. and social networking to go into and T-shirts to go into <laughs> all the world to proclaim the good news to everyone. <laughs> to find out more or to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date with all of our latest shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Soon to be sock puppets. Yes. There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us emails to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line. That's 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments and rate us there. And I know you are just dying to tweet us. Yeah. Tweet, Everybody tweet, tweet. wants to tweet the Twitter knots. <laughs> the, the Theonauts. That's right. The, the Theo Tweetheads. Um, at? At Theonautical. <laughs> Thank you. Do we ever okay. use Instagram, by the way? You know, I do, but I haven't been on it in a long time. Uh, so if either. you've Instagrammed us, then I'm sorry. Like us on Facebook <laughs> at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. <laughs> And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. Thanks for being a 
Gideon. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Mighty this Man of Valor. Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972 You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. This is your great commission transmission. Uh...